0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: We'll move on from that because you may well have visited the BBC food website for recipes in advance of Christmas. And one of the most popular searches, it turns out, is the good old fashioned prawn cocktail. Sneered at by foodies, it seems to have made us something of a comeback. Edward Hayden is culinary lecturer at Southeast Technological University. Afternoon,
1: Edward. Good afternoon, Sean. How
0: are you going? Not too bad. I can remember, I used to, uh, I used to, I still do, uh, a voiceover for a show called uh, The Restaurant. And I remember one year, Brendan O'Carroll, when he was too famous, he wasn't too famous to, to appear in that show then, but he probably would be now. But he used to be a chef. So, and he made prawn cocktail, prawn cocktail with a Mary Rose sauce. Oh my God, the judges nearly threw up when they saw it put in front of them. Uh, how has it become fashionable again then?
1: Well, listen, Sean, everything comes back to us eventually, whether it's your hair or your jeans or a prawn cocktail. Retro-revisited is really the way to go. But listen, think about it. What's not to love? You know, beautifully well-cooked prawns, nice crisp shredded lettuce and shallot. And then a kind of a brandy and Tabasco infused Mary Rose sauce. I mean, there's three composite ingredients there for uh, heavenly, uh, heavenly dining.
0: Right? Is that a classic though, prawn cocktail, or have you have you you know gussied it up a bit? Have you beefed no, it up there the in that description?
1: That would be the classic. The classical composite elements of the prawn cocktail would be you know a really well shredded iceberg lettuce. Then you would have lovely prawns. So whether you know the, the small little. Uh, prawns or the larger tiger prawns. And then the third element is the Tabasco, or sorry, is the Mary Rose sauce. And the Mary Rose sauce is normally made with a combination of, (coughs) excuse me, um, uh, mayonnaise, tomato ketchup, a little shot of Tabasco sauce, normally a little hint of a tint of paprika, and then a good little glug of brandy to um, to correct the consistency of it and also to give it a sharpness. Now, you were talking about gussying it up uh, I do a version of that now, which is a sweet chilli and lime prawn cocktail. So I make my own little sweet chilli sauce or sweet chilli jam. I combine that with either mayonnaise or yoghurt and a good bit of uh, lime juice and Tabasco uh, I put into that as well. And again, it just gives you that more kind of oriental flavour. You might decide to put in a bit of coriander, which kind of marries well with the chilli and the lime also. But yeah, God's gorgeous dish. And it's a real uh, Christmas uh, quintessential must, I think.
0: Yeah, I suppose, though, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, in the 70s, uh, the prawn cocktail was considered posh just because prawns weren't that common.
1: Well, of course, people didn't have access to these prime ingredients. Now, even still, whilst we all have greater access to them, prawns as a shellfish are a kind of a prime ingredient. So I suppose, therefore, that's where the association or the connection comes from, from having them at kind of times of feast and Christmas and Easter, whether in the liturgical or non-liturgical calendar, were seen as these times of feast and plenty. So therefore, you kind of rolled out the more prime ingredients And, you know, I'm sure you had in your house, Sean, when you were growing up, as we often had ours, when the biscuits arrived, now you can have the biscuits whenever and you eat them when they come or the selection boxes. But when ours they would be there devilishly looking at you for weeks, and then it would be always, we'll have them for Christmas. We'll have them at Christmas. So there was that sense of kind of getting ready. And I think, you know, the same way with the prawn cocktail, people would have had it as a kind of a sense of indulgence and a sense of, you know, committing to kind of that that gastronomic feast that people
0: would have had at Christmas, and so in your and so in your house, nobody went into the biscuit tin and uh, took one out of the second row and put carefully put the sellotape back, and then <laughs> said, "I don't know how that happened."
1: <laughs> we were good, living, God-fearing people down here well, in the Manor.
0: Very <laughs> virtuous.
1: Very virtuous, to us indeed. We <laughs> um, so might have had one or two indiscretions since, but not then.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, could but in like if you go into a like a you know an upmarket chefy restaurant now, might, it might be it might it be possible that you might be served a prawn cocktail now?
1: Listen, I think a hundred percent. Now uh, the prawns would probably be now cooked um, in a water bath, or they're kind of maybe could be confit or something. So, I think the processes maybe would have changed. But I think all of these dishes are kind of coming back. And I think chefs have taken it upon themselves to kind of to sex them up or jazz them up a little bit and make them to be something a little bit different than than they are. But I mean, as I said, the composite elements of them are really, really good. So uh, there's no reason why people wouldn't have them. But retro has definitely revisited You think of all those dishes at the time, let it be the prawn cocktail, let it be the chicken Maryland, let it be the Black Forest Gatto or something like that. People might change it around. That our chef the other night on the telly making like a Black Forest trifle. So we do take inspiration and guidance um, and, and culinary guidance from lots of different sources. And then, as you said, try and start it up.
0: Right. OK. So does that really tell us that there's only really so many sorts of meals you can invent?
1: Or what do they say, you have to make, if you want to make the omelette, you have to break the eggs. So it's a little bit like that. Ah, well, will will listen, everything is an evolution on something else. And it's, I could, you could, I could give everybody, um, listening to you this afternoon, Sean, a pound of flour, a half teaspoon of bread soda, a pinch of salt and 12 fluid ounces of buttermilk. And everybody, bar none, will make a different cake of white bread. Do you know that sort of way? So I think, and I always think that even when I write recipes, and I write recipes quite a lot, and I like that instructional form of writing. But again, regardless what instruction or what guidance you give, people will um, be subject to interpretation as well and what they think or all the other variables that present. And I suppose that's where the magic of food and that's where the creativity around food and that kind of, you know, using it as a culinary expression of yourself. And then, of course, at Christmas, as always, we have the opportunity to share that food with those we hold dear. And often, maybe sometimes those we don't hold as dear as we might like, but we have to share <laughs> it with them anyway. <laughs> but that's a whole other
0: story. That's the whole, that's, that's <laughs> what the alcohol part of it is for. It's uh, <laughs> so uh,
1: that, that can imbibe some of the fornication your earlier textures <laughs> were talking about as well. But again, since scale, Ella.
0: Right, Jesus, I'm coming round to your house for Christmas dinner. Sounds Listen, great. We cover uh, a range
1: of topics and a range of events <laughs> here. And like the musical, anything goes.
0: Edward, thanks a million and happy Christmas to you. That uh, was uh, Edward, Edward Hayden there.
1: Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think of getting the best value from your bank. Think again. Weekdays at
0: 2 p.m. on News Talk.